you know, one of the best things you can do is kind of trust that little tiny inner voice feeling, the one that can be so easy to shrug off. You have to listen to that inside. Um, it might be something as simple as saying, I don't know if I should do this, but you're asking the question. Why are you asking the question? You probably feel like you should. And it's probably this little glimmer telling you you should. Just go forward and do it. Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with another sustainable pet business owner. Jen Kirby started Piggyback Treats Company to make dog and cat treats from unused human-grade foods that would otherwise go to waste. She got the idea about eight years ago when she saw barrels full of salmon skins at a fish cleaning shop and found out that they were just going to throw them away. She knew there had to be a better solution. Now, she rescues salmon skins, chicken feet, pumpkins, apple pulp, liver, and so much more to make 50 varieties of treats. We talk about what it takes to create a successful and sustainable pet business, and we also obsess over our chocolate labs for a while. Her dog, Candy, sounds like a total love match for Bert. They both love broccoli stalks and apples. Do you want to connect with more dog-obsessed women in business? Join the Wear Wag Repeat Labs private Facebook group. It is the place to experiment and discuss ideas that you have around your pet-inspired business. Just go to Facebook and search for Wear Wag Repeat Labs and request to join the group today. We have hundreds of women in there who would love to help you work out the ideas that you have for your own business. Jen Kirby has been working as a professional chef for over 16 years and as a professional dog spoiler for basically her entire life. She started Piggyback Treats Company with her boyfriend, Chris. They piggyback with tiny family-run farms and small businesses by rescuing usable human-grade foods and making them into unique and healthy treats for dogs and cats. They believe that our pets deserve not only to be spoiled, but that we can do so while being conscious of our effect on the environment. Jen and Chris hope to encourage as many people as possible to think sustainably while still spoiling their pets, of course. Hey, Jen. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing really good. I'm so excited to talk to you. Your business is so unique. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here and to tell you a little bit more about what we do. Yeah, so um, tell us, like, just let's dive in and, like, what what inspired you to to create this, to, like, reuse food for dog treats? You know, that's something I think, like, as dog moms, we probably do in our own kitchen, but on a commercial level, like, what inspired you to do that? So there were a few different things, um, but mainly I'm a chef. Uh, as a chef, we know that food waste is money loss. And I also grew up on a small farm and on a farm, you waste nothing as much as you can, you use. Uh, so a few different things specifically. Um, one, I have my dog baby, my 10 year old chocolate lab candy, and it was 
Her second birthday, I was making treats for her friends for her birthday party. And um, I stopped at a local fish cleaning station in the town that I grew up in northern New York. And I saw these barrels of salmon skin they had there. And I asked what they do with them. And the men told me that they, they send them to landfill. And they actually have to pay to send them to landfill. And I was just kind of as a chef, like shaken, shocked, upset. There are 55 gallon drums. And this was one fish cleaning station that had probably eight drums worth in one day. And this salmon season happens every fall for about six weeks. There are so many fish cleaning stations in town. So my mind automatically said like, wow, how wasteful is that? What can I do? So I said, hey, can I take some of those uh, salmon skins for my dog? And that's initially how the idea started. It's funny too, because yesterday morning, my Facebook memory reminded me that eight years ago is when I stopped by and had that conversation at the fish cleaning station. So that was the first glimmer of something needs to be done. Is there more out there in quantity? What can I do? Um, And that's how I started forming the business plan because of our salmon skin. That's such an amazing, what a great story. Like that is such a nicely packaged kind of like aha moment <laughs> of of seeing these big drums. Did these guys think that you were totally crazy? They definitely thought I was a little crazy. I mean, these are men in the middle of the country who their dogs live outside, you know, in a barn or maybe just in the backyard. So someone taking something and making some kind of special treats, they they probably still roll their eyes at me. But um, <laughs> but they're great. They're nice guys. They see that I'm serious about it after so many years. And uh, yeah, I mean, probably quite a few people in the country think that I'm a little nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think it. I think it's just it makes total sense to me. Like when I'm cooking at home, um, my one dog Bert loves broccoli. He like it's probably his favorite food, which is so <laughs> weird. Um, and when I'm cooking it, like you know, the end of the stalk, like I I like the stalks, but I don't really eat like the end of it. And I cut it into little treats and I keep it in the fridge for him to have his little like broccoli snacks. So you know, it's it's I, and I think especially this year with the pandemic and you know a lot of things are hard to come by. People are realizing that they have to be more resourceful and really use everything that they have around them. Yeah, absolutely. People are much more aware now, especially with all the shortages in the grocery stores. Um, people are just more aware and more conscious. And not only like of how difficult it is to get things that were once so easy to get, but also, you know, the cost of things because cost has gone, up, has gone up. So it's, it's kind of a good thing, actually. COVID's kind of little, been a little bit of a reset for, for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a silver lining for sure. Um, so speaking of like supply and demand and all that kind of stuff, how, how do you find the materials or the ingredients that you use for your treats now? Yeah, that was the biggest question. Um, while forming the business concept and, and it took a few years to develop for me. Um, I asked myself a lot of questions along the way. And the main question was, you know, how can I get more? How can I find out if there's other things out there? And it, really meant that I needed to tune into my creative side and start opening my eyes in different areas where maybe I wasn't noticing things before. Um, And just to start talking. So I make a lot of relationships with small farms and local businesses. I join networking groups and um, chef-specific networking groups, um, small business networking groups. Um, But in the very beginning, it was as easy as me reaching out to people I already knew 
who maybe worked at a restaurant or owned a small farm and asking them a question. What do you have that you wish you had a customer base for, but you don't, and so you're throwing it away? And then they would give me the answer. Whatever the answer was, was where I let my creative chef side out. Um, and I would take home that item and start testing and making recipes uh, from those items. So that's really how it started out and it's really still how it goes now. But um, it's also nice now because people know about us. So we have people reaching out, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Takes some stress off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the legwork is always the hardest part of everything, you know, in my own business too, just like that outreach, it takes a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Um, And also with the way that we were formulated specifically um, to work with small farms and small businesses, not just business in general and farming in general, but the small farms, um, the small businesses, what, and I knew this early on designing the business plan, but what it means for us is that we're going to kind of have to go a little bit out of our way. We're going to have to do more legwork. Uh, than your traditional pet treat makers, where they will go to a supply store, a restaurant supply store, and pick up cases of things. Instead of doing one easy trip in a couple hours, we take um, multiple trips. Like yesterday, I took a two-hour trip to a small farm, and I bought chicken feet from him. Uh, he's He is trying to make as much money he can doing what he does. He doesn't want any of the animal to go to waste. So I buy the feet, and I'll buy the liver, and I'll buy the hearts. Um, and we're developing some new treats with that now. But what it means is I have to go to a lot of small farms to get enough quantity to make what we make um, versus going to one outlet. And that's okay. Like, I love it. It, it. it means relationships. And I love having relationships with people. Yeah. Well, and it, and you really have to have those relationships because I would imagine a lot of these places that you work with, you can't just like Google it. You, it's like you really need to have relationships and get those referrals from people. Absolutely. Actually, it's funny you said that. I kind of forgot what I did in the very beginning. I asked, of course, I asked my friends and family, but I actually would go onto Craigslist or what, you know, now they have the Facebook marketplace, but I would just type into the search bar, meet. <laughs> and like, and whatever would come up, it would be some small little farm, like, you know, butchering five cows, like if you want to buy a half a cow. So I had this big email I would like copy and paste and send to people I didn't know. And um, most of the time, probably 90% of the time, I would get no response because it probably sounded scammy. Like, I want to buy what nobody else is buying from you. Um, but then once in a while, a farmer would send me back a message and say, oh, really? Like, I've got 50 beef hearts that have just been stockpiling up in my freezer. I hate to throw them away. I've been waiting for someone to want to buy them. That's the customer we're looking for, or that's the farm that we're looking for, so we can be their customer. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. And and just not only are you, you know, creating things that are sustainable and and, and utilizing everything that you can and kind of being eco-friendly in that way, but supporting these, like, really small operations that I'm sure your purchase from them really does make an impact. Oh, it's awesome. Like writing a check for $300 or $500, or we just bought our biggest batch ever, which was like $2,000. It feels awesome because these are families running their small farm or running their small business. And I know that that money is going to something beneficial because I'm running my own business. I know that every cent is put into something important and they're doing the very same. Not only that, but when we work with these small farms, I get to see how the animals are raised. I know that they're in a healthy, clean environment, that they're enjoying the outdoors. They're not just kept in pens. Uh, So it's, it's really great. It's so fulfilling. That is really just so amazing. 
Although I love what I do, it would be nice to spend less time working and more time with my dogs. Don't you agree? I always felt like if I could just get my website traffic up, it would open so many doors for me and my business. I used to spend hours posting my links all over the place until last year when I immersed myself in Pinterest and tried all kinds of strategies to grow the traffic I was already getting from my pins. And guess what? In about a year, I was able to grow my site traffic from Pinterest 25 times. More traffic means more consistent sales in my online shop, new email subscribers daily, and now I'm earning income from ads on my blog. It's all about working smarter, not harder. And I'll show you exactly how in my brand new masterclass, Pinterest for Petpreneurs. After you complete this course, you'll have a system to use Pinterest to grow your website traffic, your email list, and your pet industry business. Explore the six lessons and bonus offers at wherewagrepeat.com slash courses. Enroll today so that you can be a part of the live Pinterest profile audits that I'll be doing for students this month. Get all the details at wherewagrepeat.com slash courses. Um, so, okay, speaking of, you mentioned like coming up with recipes and putting your chef hat, no pun intended, <laughs> but your chef hat on <laughs> and coming up with recipes. So like the chicken feet, pretty straightforward. Um, salmon skin, pretty straightforward. But like, can you tell us a little bit about some of the, the recipes that you have come up with for treats that are maybe a little bit more inventive? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll talk about my favorite one first because it's it's pretty different. I've never seen anyone do anything like it. Um, after Halloween, we go to small farms and we harvest what pumpkins are left in their fields. And it's a lot of fun. It's my favorite day of the year because I enjoy being outdoors and we get to bring our dogs. Um, but when we were taking these pumpkins, uh, my first plan was to use the pumpkin to make one of our baked cookie treats, um, which is a, a gluten-free cookie and we call it the pumpkin bone. And um, using the pumpkin, like the thick part of the pumpkin, scraping out the innards on the inside. I would see the guts and I would see the seeds and say like, there's got to be something that we can do with this. Um, so what we started doing, we actually make three treats now out of the pumpkin. Um, we take the thick part, the rind, the actual hide of the pumpkin, leave the skin on it. We wash it off and slice it and dehydrate those into pumpkin strips. And that's seasonal. It's something that usually runs out before March. We also take the guts, the inside part, separate that from the seeds. And I can the guts in glass jars so I can bake with it for those pumpkin bones throughout the year. So I have a huge stock of pumpkin that lasts me the year. And then the seeds, I dry them in the oven. And then this is my favorite one. Um, Every time I would make our liver jerky or bake with liver, this sounds kind of gross, but dog moms will appreciate this. Um, I would thaw the liver and have all this extra liver juice in the bag and just throwing it down the drain felt wasteful. I said, there's got to be something more. So I started um, doing like a liver candy coated pumpkin seed uh, for for dogs. So that's a training trait. Uh, They're crunchy and crispy. They're savory liver coated pumpkin seeds. Well, those sound deliciously disgusting. <laughs> yes, dogs love them. And one of my friend's dads saw the bag on the counter beside the dog cookie jar. And for whatever reason, decided to snack on a few. He said to her, 
these taste disgusting. She was like, that's a dog treat. Dogs oh love God. it. No, I mean, it definitely sounds like something my dogs would oh, love. Oh, they would love it. Liver on a pumpkin seed. I'm not interested, but the dogs go crazy. Yeah, you are definitely a, a dog fairy godmother for coming up with that recipe. Um, so, okay, you mentioned that you have a chocolate lab. I have a chocolate. I have two chocolate labs. I'm a major chocolate lab lover, and um, I know that they will eat anything and everything. They're excellent taste testers because they're very enthusiastic about eating. So, tell me about Candy, your dog, and your other dog that you have now, and um, how you incorporate them into your business. Yeah. Okay. So, Candy is 10 years old. She's the chocolate lab on our logo. And then sitting on her back on our logo is my sister's little dog, Darwin, and he's a rat terrier chihuahua mix. For those who haven't seen the logo, go take a look. It's cute. Darwin is sitting on Candy's back. It's based on a real photo. They actually do a trick called piggyback where Darwin jumps up and sits on Candy's back. And they absolutely were the inspiration for the name. Um, so Darwin is also a taste tester, but then I have my other dog, which came to me with my boyfriend, um, Atlas, and he is a 10 year old Rottweiler. So Candy and Atlas are very adventurous eaters. They almost never turn something down, which isn't always the best. I need a picky dog once in a while. Um, but Candy's most favorite thing is apples. She loves them. Um, she was the inspiration for our cider beer bone. And that bone is a cookie. Uh, it's made with spent grains from local breweries and also fresh apples. And we either use fallen apples from orchards, apple pulp from juice bars, or we will be the ones to buy the apples that are wrinkly or bruised or just the seconds that don't look like they're worth it for, for humans to enjoy. Um, so that's, Candy's favorite bone. Uh, and then Atlas, we already talked about the chicken feet. He goes nuts over those. He loves them, but he also really likes the peanut butter beer bone. Um, that is a favorite of his, but yeah, they're great taste testers through and through. You mentioned your dog loves the broccoli stalks. Candy yes. loves them too. Like she, well, loves and them. you said she loves apples, mm-hmm. Bert, like I I always joke around. I've always joked for years. I've had Bert for two years. He's a rescue. Um, but I've had chocolate labs for like 16 years. And I'm, I always say you never know how much food is just in the street until you walk a chocolate lab. And Bert has given new meaning to that phrase because we walk around and he finds apples everywhere. <laughs> I don't know who, like maybe kids like don't like them in their lunch and they just like throw them out in the gutter or in a bush or whatever. And Bert will go and find like, I would think an apple that's like not peeled doesn't really smell like anything, but he can smell it. And he goes into like a bush and like digs around and comes out with an apple. And then he carries it in his mouth and his lips hang over it. And you like, don't even know that he has it. (laughs) It, it sounds like Bert and candy. They would get into a lot of trouble together. (laughs) They would. Absolutely. Um, he, yeah, he's right up Candy's alley. That is her kind of a a buddy to have. It's funny. Yeah. You never know. It's funny. I never really thought about how much food is in the street, but yeah, we go to like the (laughs) the street festivals and fairs and wherever the kettle corn guy is like for a half a mile, either direction, there's like, it's all over the road. And we have in the town where I live, um, trolley tracks that run through the street and all that kettle corn falls down in the trough. I swear Candy's tongue just like, just stays in the trough the whole time we're walking <laughs> so she can get all the kettle corn. She loves her sweets too. Yeah. Something <laughs> special about a chocolate lab. Yes, they are. <laughs> um. 
So, um, so you've started this business, you've had it for, well, you came up with the idea like eight years ago, um, and been in business for, you know, around the same amount of time. Do you have any advice for people who are interested in working with their dogs or maybe they've just started something? What kind of advice would you give to someone who's, who's just starting in this area? Yeah. So it took me a lot of years to develop the business. I officially launched it three years ago this fall. Um, though for several years before that, I was selling dog treats using the concept under one of my other businesses names till I realized they should be separated out. Um, you know, one of the best things you can do is kind of trust that little tiny inner voice feeling the one that can be so easy to shrug off. You have to listen to that inside. Um, it might be something as simple as saying, I don't know if I should do this, but you're asking the question. Why are you asking the question? You probably feel like you should. And it's probably this little glimmer telling you, you should just go forward and do it. Um, advice along the way, come to terms with the fact that there's going to be things you don't know. Know that upfront, um, be ready to hurdle it. If you let anything you don't know, slow you down, um, or if you let it scare you, it will slow you down. And you're just going to be more likely to give up on this flicker of dream that you have. So Come to terms with the fact that there's going to be a roadblock. Get ready to hurdle it no matter what it is. Just face it. Um, and then follow your heart along the way. I did not study business. I didn't study uh, sustainability. I'm a pastry chef. I studied pastry arts. And I, you know, 10 years ago before I had this business, I never would have believed that I would be doing this right now. But I knew I wanted to have a business. So let it guide you. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I also never could have told you that this is what I would be doing. <laughs> um, but it's just, there are so many unknowns. And as you figure things out, you just have to kind of look for the arrows and see where they're, where they're pointing you and, and keep going. Um, you know, I, I always tell people like, if you've started your way ahead of everybody else, a lot of people have ideas and they never start. And if you just stick with it, then you're like miles ahead of everyone else. So, you know, that's, it's not that complicated. That's just kind of the key. <laughs> Absolutely the key. And, and you're right. It's not complicated, but when you're in that moment, that one moment right before the hurdle, it's really easy to just say, uh, okay, I'm just not going to, <laughs> that's your moment. So like, take it, jump like go do it and you'll be okay. You're going to come out the other end more knowledgeable, more prepared for the next one and to be quite honest, like fearless. You're going to be ready to go. So, it takes a little while. The first 8 months are very scary. First year when it's over, you're going to be like, "I made it." Like I <laughs> I still have a house. My dogs ate food the whole time. You know, you might jump down to like eating dollar store food, but it's okay. Like you, the dogs will always have high quality food, but you'll be on the ramen. <laughs> always. That is exactly what we did for the first solid year into year and a half of the business. Like can't tell you how much ramen. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so now your business is growing and, um, you, you've learned a lot of lessons and you've implemented them. And as piggyback treats, grows, you know, what, how do you kind of see yourself staying sustainable? Because I think, you know, it, it's easy to be agile when you're small, but as your business grows, you know, you want to cut costs and do this and do that. How do you stay sustainable as you grow? Yeah. So sustainability obviously is one of our main pillars, um, for a business, um, 
three main pillars, actually, uh, reduce food waste, support local economy, um, and then also provide a unique and fulfilling experience. And that can be for customers, for people who work with us, and for um, business partners that we piggyback with. So when we're building every step of the business, um, we have to make sure that we're going back to our roots and making sure that this is sustainable. We have the ability to make every part of our business sustainable because we're building the business right now. So this is great. Um, in the beginning, while formulating this concept, I knew we were going to spend more on packaging. Our packaging is 100% backyard compostable. It breaks down in six weeks. It's gone, all of it, the labeling and everything. Um, and it costs more, but this is it doesn't cost more to me because this is how it started for me. Um, our shipping materials, we use uh, secondhand boxes, um, packaging. I have bins, huge bins where I just put uh, boxes, the bubble mailers, like anything um, shipping related. Um, and this is something we can expand on as we grow as well. So at the moment, you're viewing me in my home. This used to be a living room, but you can't see the other side. It's just shelving and shelving of product, which is amazing. Um, but as we grow, we're going to replicate on a, what we're doing here on a small scale in other areas around the country. So instead of having one giant facility somewhere, and I hate the word facility, we'll have many small kitchens um, where real chefs are preparing food by hand, hand packaging in compostable bags. You know, we're working with the local small farms, the local small businesses, um, which will enable us to keep it sustainable. And then of course I've got to figure out, I haven't, haven't gone there yet, but this is one of the hurdles. Um, how can we logistically set up delivery so that it's coming from the kitchen closest to the customer? Um, how can we set it up so that, cause our main sales are online, by the way, uh, how can we set it up so that regional specialty items, like in New York, we have the salmon skin. Maybe when we're on the West coast, we have something completely different. How can we get that item shipped to someone on the East coast with their order without, sending a heavy package. Maybe we just send that one item separately. Um, lots of logistical things, but the key is to keep it small even as we grow. Yeah, that that's really cool. I love, you've painted such a beautiful picture of like where you see your company going. And um, I'm just like, I have like a mental picture of your like little kitchens with your like really like cool apron on and everybody all over the country making these like salmon skins and chicken feet. So, um, Jen, tell us where people, um, cause I know everyone's going to want to check you out now. Where can they find you online? So piggybacktreats.com. That's our website. Um, we do have a huge variety of goodies. Um, we actually make over 50 different items and sell them. So not only edible items, but we also have pet care and toys. Um, toys are all sustainable and, uh, hundred percent rescue material as well. So piggybacktreats.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and Facebook and Instagram at Piggyback Treats Company. And then on Twitter, it's at Piggyback Treats. And we have a YouTube channel, which we've only posted on a couple times, but we have plans to set up a nice little maybe recording studio area where we can do some regular visits with our people. And I think we have a Pinterest page. I don't know. I'm, I wish I had more time <laughs> to figure these things out. That's okay. Um, there's plenty of, you're in all the places that people need you to be. And um, most importantly, to check out your website, piggybacktreats.com. I'm going to go check it out. And since I know that Candy and Bert have the same taste, 
<laughs> I'm going to stock up on some some dis- deliciously disgusting goodies for Bert. <laughs> the cider beer bones, he needs to get some of those. Obviously, the salmon skins um, would be, it's our number one seller. So he should try those out. And then a yeah. few other things too. But I do have a coupon code if anyone wants to make a purchase online. Um, if they use code WWR10, so WWR10, um, they'll get $10 off any purchase over 60 and it'll give them free shipping. Oh, wow. That's very generous. Thank you. It's a great deal. It's our best coupon um, and it's going to be available for the rest of the year. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for setting that up and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at tmystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.